India's union government seems to be stirring the hornet's nest with one controversy after another in recent times. On Saturday, Narendra Modi identified himself as the Prime Minister of Bharat at the G20 summit, a conscious effort to brand the country differently and an obvious retaliation to the opposition alliance named India. But at a political level, the BJP-led government has pieced together a grand scheme to ensure that the government does not stray into the opposition's hands anytime soon. The One Nation, One Election Scheme. Hi, you're listening to On Manorama's Explainer Podcast, Newsbreak, a weekly show that breaks down news in a clutter-free manner. This is Harita Benjamin. And today, we shall look at the what, why and how of the One Nation, One Election Scheme floated by the Union Government. The One Nation, One Election policy envisages holding simultaneous elections to all three tiers of the democracy, Lok Sabha, Legislative Assemblies and the local bodies, as opposed to the current practice of holding them separately, as and when their respective terms expire. Is it the first time the idea is being mooted by a government? Not exactly. The Election Commission of India first mooted the idea in 1982. Former Prime Minister Atul Bihari Vajpayee was also a staunch supporter of the idea. The idea has been examined by various commissions and committees since then. Now, a little bit of history to put things in perspective. From 1952, when the first general elections were held in India, to 1967, the polls were simultaneous in the country. The cycle was disrupted due to multiple reasons. Former Kerala MP and legal expert Sebastian Paul says there is no reason why this will not recur. In the early years of our parliamentary democracy, that means from 1952 onwards, elections were simultaneously held to parliament as well as the respective state legislatures. what had what happened later or what happened during the course of that period in 1959 the state government in kerala was dismissed by the center and kerala went to the polls in 1960 again in 1965 there was a hung assembly the assembly was dissolved without even convening for a single day thereafter especially after 1967 different states have to conduct polls to state legislatures and in parliament also what happened that fixed five year period could not be followed for various reasons so that is the reality that is the reality in a parliamentary democracy in 2024 we are going to the uh, polls to go to uh, have a uh, first lok sabha then how can we uh, simultaneously held elections in the state assemblies also Because in Kerala, the legislature will have another two, two more years, oh, yes, to, right. uh, two, two years to finish that tenure. Uh, will, will they dismiss the government? Or all those things are there. I don't know. Uh, uh, without a national debate, 
and answering all the questions. It will be unfair and dangerous for the government to go in for such amendments by using the majority in the parliament. Besides disrupting the federal structure, the entire objective of conducting simultaneous elections will be defeated if the country reverts to a broken cycle over the years. Experts are curious how the new electoral scheme will fare in the case of some contingencies, like say, no confidence motion, hung governance and defection. My first basic objection or apprehension is that what will be the fate of a no-confidence resolution in Parliament or the legislature? If the duration is fixed for five years, there is no scope for the Parliament legislature to express no-confidence. As we know, our constitution says a ministry, council of ministers, shall hold office or continue in office so long as they enjoy the confidence of the House. So it will become irrelevant, this, this six and five-year period. And there will be so many other reasons also for a uh, legislature will, will become uh, non-functional. Yeah. In such a situation, what is the remedy? The remedy is go to the people, conduct fresh elections. All those things will be barred. And this this experiment, I think, will... Uh, despite all the con constitutional or legal amendments, it will end up in total disaster. The new electoral scheme, if implemented, would involve a massive overhaul of the Constitution, the Representation of People's Act 1951 and other statutory laws. A minimum of five articles will need to be amended in the Constitution. 1. Article 83.2 on the Lok Sabha's term. 2. Article 85.2b on the dissolution of the House. 3. Article 172.1 which deals with the State Assembly's tenure. 4. Article 174.2b which deals with the dissolution of the State Legislature. And 5. Article 356, which involves the imposition of President's rule in the states. At least 50% of the states should ratify the constitutional amendments for this to be passed. So why is the government even thinking about an electoral scheme which involves such massive changes? The 2018 Law Commission draft highlights four important benefits from the suggested electoral scheme. 1. Saving money. 2. Reducing the burden on administrative setup and security forces. 3. Ensuring timely implementation of government policies. and 4. Ensuring that the administrative machinery is engaged in development activities than electioneering. I think the most highlighted point here is financial gains. But a close examination of the statistics will show us that this argument is entirely flawed. India's 2019 general elections have been dubbed as one of the most expensive elections in the world, with an expenditure of over rupees 60,000 crore. But less than one-sixth of this amount was spent by the government for conducting elections. At least half of the rupees 60,000 crore was spent by the BJP for its campaigns.
Now, according to budget documents, rupees nine thousand crore was spent by the union government for conducting the elections in twenty nineteen. Rupees five thousand four hundred crore was spent on EVMs alone. Now, simultaneous elections would easily double this requirement. In two thousand fifteen, the election commission itself pegged the additional cost of procuring EVMs. And VVPAT machines for synchronized polls at rupees nine thousand three hundred crore. Remember, this is the additional cost only. Besides, EVMs also need to be replaced every fifteen years, which would again entail expenditure. Add to this the storage and warehousing costs of storing the EVMs. So the government, if it is serious about the proposal, will need to do an unbiased analysis while engaging in an inclusive dialogue. It has already appointed a committee to examine and recommend the specific amendments required and other aspects for implementing simultaneous elections. The committee headed by the former president is, of course, a high-level committee. It should have its own credibility. But I think everything is, everything is, every question is being answered. There are preset answers are there. Prefabricated structure is there. The committee's only duty is to suggest or recommend all those things. What, okay. what, what, is, what is decided, the committee will recommend and will be accepted. That is not the way. Such far-reaching changes in our electoral system should be done. My 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 basic concern is that we are moving from the parliamentary system to the presidential system. In parliamentary system, elections we cannot we cannot avoid it. Elections uh, not only fixed periods, but even midterm and elections should be should be it is a unavoidable thing. Like like what is happening in UK, there are there also they follow the parliamentary system. And the prime minister will lose his majority or confidence at yeah. any time, yeah. and at times we'll have to go to a midterm election. That is the, our, our experience also. That is the that is the essential thing in a parliamentary democracy. So BJP is now planning indirectly and indiscreetly from the parliamentary system to the presidential system, which I think is not suitable for India. While some of the arguments outlined by the government in support of simultaneous polls, like policy paralysis due to the implementation of the model code of conduct, the policy is largely not pragmatic, and implementing it without enough deliberation is a recipe for disaster, which could destroy the very fabric of Indian democracy. This is on Manorama's Newsbreak, an explainer podcast produced by Harita Benjamin, with technical production by Idea Brew Studios. It comes out every week and is available on all podcast platforms. Follow on Manorama dot com for more updates.